0: You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. You know, sometimes we've been in uh, in parties or meetings or groups where they'll start talking about investments or interest rates or the economies and, and. People are just sort of talking about that, but not people in our industry, just like, Oh yeah. Story. Just, yeah. They're just, they're just talking about stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you ever get frustrated with those conversations?
1: Yes. Well, I get frustrated at specific people, types of people in those conversations. And what do you mean? The people who know all the answers
0: or think they do. Yeah.
1: They <laughs> act like they know all the answers.
0: But but not not making their living from the industry. They're, yeah, they're just- and
1: and they don't. It's like one thing. I mean, yeah, I can probably I can learn something from anybody. Um, but when they talk about something that I obviously know about, mm-hmm. and then I can find out within forty five seconds that they're not correct, that
0: they don't know what they're talking, they about.
1: don't know what they're talking about, that, and they continue to talk as if they're the expert. That's annoying. I was at a wedding, um, oh like a year or two ago, right? And this happened guy is talking and he's telling me all about strategies and this and that and what he's doing and then finally after like 45 minutes he finally like asked me what I did <laughs> and I intentionally never interjected that I was like you just let him run I was just him like run. oh cool man uh-huh cool yeah I've,
0: I've done that before and then he's
1: like what do you do?" I told him
0: yeah okay. I, I do the stuff you just talked about yeah, yeah I do all
1: that stuff
0: <laughs> do you ever feel that way when you're on the other side when you were the uninformed person at a group Yes, yeah. like
1: it. Health stuff. I feel that way. Health, yeah, like the whole COVID deal. Everybody talked like they were an expert, uh, there and were too,
0: there were too many experts.
1: Too many. Everyone that. was a damn expert. Politics. I'm very. I'm way more informed on politics than I am on COVID or yeah. medical stuff. Oh,
0: everybody's everybody's so informed on politics. I and it, the hardest job has got to be NFL coach. Everybody, oh everybody
1: knows. why didn't you run it uh, yeah what I, a thoughtful I w- a thoughtful recommendation run that's right. your big idea run it right you no, think there's w- no nuance to this game wa- at all I was watching it's running
0: past. I was watching a game the other day with and somebody in the room said I don't know why they don't just get him you know tackle him <laughs> And, uh, and I, turned, I turned to him and I said, well, it's, I guess it's hard to argue with that logic. They really should do that. They, really yeah, should, they, should, have, get him. they should have gotten him. Yes. When he, he was running have. with the ball. Yeah. There was
1: um, a, a fighter, and I don't remember who this was. He said, yeah, see, the thing is, he's paid to not let me do that. I'm yes. trying to punch him. He's paying. He's getting paid a lot of money to not let me punch him. Oh,
0: I, I heard Mark Cuban respond to some comment somebody made about somebody who didn't have a good night. They were in the championship, and they said, "Well, you know, you just really didn't have a good night that night." You know, when the, the Mavs won. And oh, this was when the Mavs beat the Heat uh,
1: in LeBron's first year. Yeah, yeah. So they beat the yeah.
0: Heat. They and they sort of shut LeBron down. And the uh, the commentator was saying, "Well, you know, I mean." You guys got kind of lucky because LeBron didn't have a good game that night and he wasn't really on. And Cuban said, well, do you think we had anything to do with that? Why do you think he had a bad <laughs> yeah, game? Why do you think he had a bad
1: game? Yeah. might've been well, the defense we threw at him. I try to not speak authoritatively on things that I do not know uh, when I do not know the answers. And yet you
0: talk a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Working on it. Yeah. Well, today we talked about a topic that I don't know a lot about and Uh, I I know as little about this topic as I do about any topic we're going to talk about, but we have someone on the show who knows a lot about it, who's an expert, and that is Dr. Jeff Barkey. Dr. Jeff Barkey is a board-certified primary care physician in private practice for over 25 years in California. He completed his medical school and family practice residency at University of California, Irvine, served as an associate clinical professor at UC Irvine and a board member of the Orange County Medical Association. He's a commissioned officer in the U.S. Army Reserve Medical Corps and a reserve deputy and a tactical physician for a local law enforcement SWAT team. He is the author of COVID-19, a physician's take on the exaggerated fear of coronavirus, a renowned speaker on the failure of government education and all things related to COVID-19, and he is a proud founding member of America's Frontline Doctor's as well as the co-host of the podcast, Informed Dissent Media. We talked about making independent, informed medical decisions, allowing dissenting voices to inform your choices, being proactive in taking care of your health, prioritizing your innate freedom to make wellness decisions, and when to not give the benefit of the doubt. We had a great conversation. We got very passionate, uh, and Sean and I even disagreed a little bit. So, Stick around. You'll learn something. You'll at least be entertained. I'm Sanger Smith, as always. I'm with my dad, Sean Smith, and this is Decidedly. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for being here.
2: Of course. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jeff.
1: um, I don't know what it says about my health, but I never got COVID. (laughs)
2: Well, it it could say that you actually got COVID, but you didn't realize it and you had a mild case and there are blood tests that could determine that. Uh, It could also say that you're a superior human being. I like that one. You take excellent care of yourself and you've got a high vitamin D level. And some people believe if you're an O positive blood type that somehow it offers you some protection. I'm not sure if that's actually a thing, but some people think it's a thing.
1: We're going to go with the second one because it makes me feel better about myself. And yeah, then, you and then
2: finally, it. you know, I don't know how, I don't know how old you are, um, but you look young. And interestingly, we know that kids are relatively immune from COVID and everybody speculates why. There's a gastroenterologist who's a researcher that I recently uh, spoke with. She believes that it has to do with this specific bacteria called bifido something or another. And kids have an abundance of it, and it is uh, very immune protective. So it may be that because of the kids' gut bacteria, that's why they're relatively immune. And us adults, as we get older, we lose some of that. Also, we're you know sub- we subject ourselves to uh, toxins in our tap water and too much antibiotics, and we kill off some of our gut bacteria. And that may be the reason why the older you get, the more susceptible you are to the ill effects of COVID.
0: So in your your medical field, do you work in virology, or how did you get interested in COVID other than it was just being shoved in our face? Uh, uh, well,
2: good question, Sean. I'm a board-certified primary care physician. So I'm, I'm family practice, and I'm in coastal Orange County in Southern California. Um, and I see patients almost every day. Um, so when COVID first happened and we were all, observers of of how our government was reacting to it in various states and from the federal level and so forth. Um, there is a lot that was going on that just didn't seem to make sense to me as a doctor, like we've never told healthy people to quarantine. So why are we telling healthy people to stay inside and quarantine? That doesn't make sense. And why are we closing the schools when we know that the kids do really well? So a lot of things didn't make sense. So early on, I think it was March or April, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was invited to Riverside, which is inland Orange County, uh, to um, a rally. There's a group of folks that were rallying before the County Board of Supervisors was meeting out in Riverside. And the County Board of Supervisors was meeting to make a decision whether they were going to open back up Riverside County that had been closed down now for a few weeks. So this group of folks were rallying to try to convince them to do the right thing. So I drove out there. That was the time when there was no traffic on the freeway because nobody was going anywhere. Everybody was kind of locked down and there was nowhere to go. Um, and when I got there, I was asked to say a few words and you know, I'm not, I'm not shy about public speaking. And so I did that. I spoke for about five minutes. And uh, shortly after speaking, somebody who took a video of my speech posted it on Facebook. And as a result of that post on Facebook, I almost immediately started getting contacted from around the world media outlets, uh, patients, citizens, physicians. They were contacting me wanting to know why I said what I said and, and would I come on and talk on various media outlets. And, I, you know, it was curious to me. I didn't really even think I said anything all that remarkable. I always carry a copy of the Constitution with me and I held up that copy of the Constitution and I said something like and it wasn't my line, but I had heard somebody say it. This document was never designed to restrict we the people. It was designed to restrict the government and the opposite was happening the government was restricting the people's free movement their speech their healthcare decisions and so forth and i think people just intuitively knew there was something wrong going on and that's really what i didn't seek out to be some physician activist but that's really what um catapulted me into the public eye of being an activist Shortly thereafter, I connected with a physician and attorney named Simone Gold. You may have heard of her. She was the founder of America's Frontline Doctors, and I helped her with that organization. And we put together a group of freedom-loving physicians across the country that realized there was something really bad going on. And it wasn't just businesses that were being shut down. That was bad enough. But the entire healthcare industry was also shut down. And that meant. For example, women for annual mammograms, canceled. Uh, People that needed an annual colonoscopy for colon cancer screening, canceled. Elective surgeries, if you had a hernia or needed your gallbladder out, canceled. If you needed any routine care because you were a cardiac patient, canceled. My uh, podcast co-host, Mark McDonald, who's a psychiatrist, um, his patients were not allowed to come into his office. And so he started prescribing more benzodiazepines, that's Valium, Xanax and the like than he ever had in his career because his patients now weren't allowed to come in and talk to him and they, they desperately needed his help. So we realized that the medical industry was being just thrashed and the citizens that need access to medical care wasn't available. And by the way, we're seeing that now. We're seeing cancer detection in later stages. Uh, we're seeing illness that should have been prevented two, three years ago that is now manifesting itself. So it was, it was the, it was horrible, and I'd never seen anything like it before. So I continued to speak out, do media appearance, and just try to make common sense out of whatever COVID was and the path forward and what our reaction should be. And unfortunately, as you know, you know millions of people died from COVID, and it need not have been that way. If we allowed access to early treatment, if Dr. Fauci pushed just vitamin D rather than just telling people to lock up at home, it would have made a difference. But all the early treatment protocols were suppressed. Pharmacies refused to dispense some of those simple medications that were safe and effective, and most importantly, could not harm anybody. And of course, yes, I'm talking about hydroxychloroquine and then later ivermectin, even today. If I call a local CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens or Walmart or whatever and want a prescription for want, want to uh, send a patient a prescription for hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, those branded pharmacies still today refuse to dispense those products. So there's workarounds and compounding pharmacies and mom and pop pharmacies. And some people go to Wait, Mexico. Why are they, they are they
0: refusing them. to deliver a prescribed medication? If my doctor says, you know, you need, you know, this, this medication, why are they refusing to
2: supply it to me? Well, I've never seen it before in my career. It's easier for me to prescribe you OxyContin or Vicodin than it is hydroxychloroquine or Ivermectin. Um, I don't know the motivation behind it, but I think financial incentives play a strong role. Hydroxychloroquine and Ivermectin are cheap and generic the other medication that pfizer came out with called paxlovid or paxlovid is very expensive paid for by the government the pharmacies also were getting reimbursed and getting free uh, covid vaccines they don't get other free vaccines they don't get free flu shots or shingle shots or pneumonia shots they have to buy at wholesale and they dispense at retail they get reimbursed by insurance or patients pay cash for the first time in my 30 year history of practicing medicine, these products now are being given out for free paid for by the government, and the pharmacies are making a ton of money. The pharmacy boards also are teaching pharmacists things that just aren't so. So for example, I have a patient who was traveling in Texas and wanted a stash of ivermectin because they were going to be out and about at a big event and just in case and so forth, they wanted to have treatment. So I called, uh, it was I, it was a CVS in Texas and uh, I talked to the pharmacist, a female pharmacist and said, listen, before I waste your time, I just want to make sure you're willing to dispense ivermectin for COVID. And she said, yes, we are, but I have to read you something. I'm like, all right, we read me the, what, the Declaration of Independence or maybe the First <laughs> Amendment of the Bill of Rights? No. She read me some paragraph that said something like, Uh, doctor, are you aware that there is no randomized controlled studies or proven benefit of ivermectin for the treatment of COVID? So she reads something like this. And I said, with all due respect, madam pharmacist, are you aware that there are hundreds of studies showing benefit of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, unfortunately, most of which have not been published? And she said, no, I'm sorry, doctor. I'm not here to answer your questions. I'm required by my pharmacy to read you this statement and you have to acknowledge it before I'll dispense the ivermectin. And I said, okay, I acknowledge it. You've read it. I disagree with everything you just read. Now, would you please dispense the product to my patient? So listen, I've treated thousands of patients for COVID all over the all over the country, actually, probably all over the world Uh, and very successfully. There's a guy out of El Centro, California. His name is uh, Dr. Brian Tyson. He's the COVID king. He's treated over 15,000 COVID patients, he and his partner in his clinic, and they have not lost a single patient that they got to within the first uh, five to seven days of the onset of treatment. But you'll never hear about this in the legacy media. You'll never hear about these sequenced multi-drug protocols that flat out work. The reason why people died is because they didn't have access to early treatment. So when you hear about somebody in the ICU that just died of COVID, the first question you should ask is, did this patient have access to early treatment before they got really sick and ended up in the emergency department? Because even today, the standardized treatment is stay at home, isolate yourself, and if you feel like you're going to die, show up to the emergency room, and the hospital will expedite your death by giving you the, um, the poisonous toxic compound known as remdesivir. And that unfortunately, even today is still too often the standard of treatment as opposed to we have wonderful early treatment sequence multi drug protocols that flat out work. We got to get to you early. Don't wait two weeks. You know, let's get to you within a couple of days of the onset of of treatment of symptoms and you'll be just fine. Nobody should be dying of COVID in, uh, you know, in
1: 2023. Yeah. I'm surprised that people still are. It's uh, living in Texas, especially we kind of, uh, it's over. Uh, It's been that way for a while. I want to back up a little bit. You had a decision to make early on when you went to that rally and you were asked to speak and you had a decision to, to speak in that moment, but then you actively made a decision moving forward to be an activist on this topic. A lot of people agree with you. A lot of, maybe even a lot of doctors agree with you, but they stay silent. What went yeah. into your decision-making process and choosing to be a vocal advocate on this?
2: You know, I'm asked about that a lot. You know, why why did you do this? You know, people think I'm courageous or something or that I'm brave. And and the reality is, is physicians are no different than any other profession or any other people. There's a group that have courage or are willing to step out and to do the hard things. And the majority don't want to do that. They want to stay under the radar. They they don't wanna be publicly known. They wanna just do their own thing and stay away from the fray. So I'm no different than anybody else. Um, I don't do this without fear. I still have fear. I get scared. I get worried. I have anxiety. In California, the governor signed a bill called AB 2098 that allows the medical board to take physicians licenses away for spreading so-called misinformation and disinformation. Uh, But listen, I, you know, I, I, I I was given a voice. That's so scary. I was, I was put on this earth. That's very scary. It it is scary. And they can
1: just, based on what standard, who decides who
2: decides what's misinformation. That's right. Well, the medical board, and interestingly, the president of the medical board of California, the medical board is the licensing board under which all licensed physicians in California operate. Same in every state. Every state has their own medical board. And the president of the medical board of California appointed by our governor, by the way, every medical board member is appointed by the governor uh, is a lawyer. So there are several lawyers that make up the medical board of California. And I jokingly, not a doctor, not a doctor. Well, there are doctors, but the president is a lawyer. So I jokingly tell my my attorney friends, imagine that the California Bar Association uh, had as its president, a physician, not a lawyer. You know, and they're like, ha, 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 that would never happen. We would never tolerate that. Exactly. Well, why is there an attorney as the president of the Medical Board of California? And they're going to determine what standard of care is. And remember, the standard of care is like changing every 15 minutes. The CDC, for example, this past August came out and changed their COVID guidelines. And and they said, you know, we no longer need to to test asymptomatic people. Healthy people that have no symptoms need not be testing. Well, we'll hold on a second, CDC. That was the whole premise under which our schools were locked down. We closed our damn schools because we were told by these healthcare bureaucrats that kids, even though they have no symptoms, could harbor the virus, spread it to their fellow students, spread it to their teachers, and then everybody would go home and kill grandma and grandpa. I spoke out and said, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That doesn't happen. We've never had that before with an infectious disease. You don't catch a cold from somebody that doesn't have a cold. So we shut down all <laughs> our schools for two yeah. years, and now the CDC comes out and says, just kidding, you don't actually have to test people that don't have symptoms. So the standard is always changing. Science is not about standards. Science is about challenging the consensus and then testing those challenges to see you know which way is up. But we're we're not apparently allowed to do that when it comes to COVID.
0: So what do you think is behind the decision-making process? But, you know, as we look at the onset of COVID, I was willing to believe, hey, this this thing that we are not familiar with is now in the air. Uh, everybody sort of sit tight for a couple of weeks and, and we'll let it blow over. I was willing to buy that. Uh, at that point, the CDC had not torched their reputation where I now sort of looked With skepticism on on anything that they would say, Uh, and I think a lot of people were
2: willing to buy that. But at every turn, we were all willing to buy that. Couple couple three weeks, let's just sit tight and figure this out. This is really weird, and and then we come to discover, oh wait, Anthony Fauci's organization was funding a group that was involved in gain of function research in this communist lab in China, really. And you mean he knew about the coronavirus research that was going on, and in part, the American taxpayer dollar was funding this. Why, why didn't he come clean and tell us that? You know, th- this was an art- This is an artificial virus. This is not a virus found in nature. When you look at the genetic code, talk to Judy Mikovits and others. Th- this is not an art. This is not a natural virus. There are artificial sequences that have been put into this virus. And the only question really that remains is, was this released on purpose by the Chinese Communist Party or was it actually, actually an accident in its release? I don't know which is right. And so what's the motivation behind all this? In part, it's, I think, I think it's cover your ass, Anthony Fauci and the National Institutes of Health. I think it's in part perverse financial incentives that both these government agencies and the pharmaceutical companies that make these vaccines have. Um, You know, there's been, Sean, there's been something like 20 new billionaires made in the vaccine industry directly as a result of this COVID-19 vaccine. We've now learned over and over again, again, we we can't speak about it. Nobody in legacy media can say this out, the quiet thing out loud, and that is the vaccine doesn't actually work. It doesn't stop uh, infection. It doesn't stop transmission, yet there are still places that are mandating it. Colleges, I've kids that are going off to college and their parents don't want them to get vaccinated in order to attend um, uh, Tulane University, for example, you have to be vaccinated, um, even well, some I of the th- colleges th- in Texas.
0: I, th- I think certainly it doesn't work as advertised, which was to say, if you take it, you're not going to get it. If you take it, you're not going to transmit it. Now, neither of those are true, um, but my my I, I don't know, and I'm not a physician, if I take it are my symptoms milder? Is my onset of COVID milder than what it would have been? And I, I, I don't know if there's a way to know
2: that. Well, there is. The signals, the signals are pretty clear now. And the FDA the CDC, to their credit, uh, is actually now investigating injury signals that this uh, vaccine may. And first of all, we should let's stop calling it a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. I think more accurately, you could call it a genetic biologic therapeutic. For the first time ever, what we've done is we've asked our body's genetic machinery to manufacture a non-human protein. With vaccines, we're asking them to manufacture um, uh, antibodies against whatever the virus is, just like when we get a cold or we get sick, our body reacts. But in this case, the messenger RNA is uh, is like an, an IKEA instructions to our DNA Uh, to the ribosomes that produce proteins. And it's asking it to manufacture a non-human protein, the spike protein. We've never done this before. And we did this with very little testing of how long the spike protein and how long the messenger RNA will stay in our body, where does it travel throughout our body and so forth. And now we're seeing the consequences. So we're seeing patients that have been vaccinated and are now injured and don't feel good we're seeing patients whose immune systems no longer function properly and they get recurrent illness that they just can't get rid of because of whatever this so called genetic therapeutic is doing to our immune system. Um, and we're seeing people that, despite getting vaccinated, get quite severely ill with COVID. As a matter of fact, it seems that the people that are dying from COVID now are those that have been fully vaccinated, and those that are unvaccinated seem to do much better because they have an intact immune system. So in my opinion, and and listen, there are a lot of people out there that are saying the same thing. This vaccine program should be completely shut down and a thorough safety analysis and investigation should be conducted. Early on, before we knew when this vaccine came out, you know, I thought, okay, maybe it's reasonable for somebody that's in a high risk group uh, to go ahead and get vaccinated. I can't even recommend that anymore. I just don't think this vaccine is safe. And clearly, even if you think I'm crazy for saying that, Clearly under no circumstances should a child receive this vaccine. Um, we have no long-term safety studies. Children are not at risk of COVID-19 and it doesn't make sense to inject this product into their body without any long-term safety against an illness that they're not at risk. And this isn't my opinion. If you go on the CDC's own website and your uh, listeners should do this, uh, and you can Google this, CDC COVID deaths by age, and you'll see less than 18, there's been you know, roughly about 1,500, 1,800 deaths. And these are all in kids that have had significant underlying comorbidities. But even if you don't worry about that, the 1,800 or so deaths over the last three years, that statistically leads to a 0% risk of a child dying of COVID-19. So why on earth would you vaccinate a child against an illness that are not at risk with an experimental product. I think vaccinating a child for COVID-19 is um, is tantamount to child abuse. And uh, I don't think we should allow any children to be vaccinated uh, with this product.
1: Anecdotally, it seems to me like the people who've received the 15 boosters are the ones getting the most sick. Um, I, I don't know if there's any studies to back that up, but just people I know that were bragging about getting Five shots, uh, they're the ones that keep that's getting right. it. And the people that are doing, that have incorporated healthy behavior into their own lives uh, before, during, and after the pandemic are, are the ones who are fine. And meaning the people who were healthy before, are the people who are healthy now. And I don't see anyone that's sitting there going, whew, I never got that thing. I'm glad I got seven shots. Well, I think own. you're right. It's I, the people who got seven shots. You're totally shots, right, Sanger. The people who got seven shots and they say, Oh well, I'm really glad I got these seven because uh, I'm glad I got the vaccine and all the all the boosters because uh, it would have been much worse. And I go, well, I don't know, man. But you obviously are able to make a very informed decision. You know, from my perspective, during this whole thing, I'm I'm I don't have medical expertise. When it first started, I was. Early, I would say, on the wave of taking it very seriously, I had a friend of mine who owns urgent care clinics, and he's he's a doctor. And I was talking to him, "Hey, man, am I going to have to shut down my office? We're going to have to have employees work from home." And before the government started imposing that, and before I knew anyone who had done that, he was recommending, "Yes, you need to do that." I go, "Okay, geez, all right, I'm I'm going to take this serious." And for the first few weeks, just like everyone else, man, I was seeing the videos on YouTube from the people in Italy who were dying on the floor of the emergency room lobby. I mean, it, it was scary. And going through the phases of the, the masks and, and the mandates and the shutdowns and then the vaccines available – I can see how people said, "Okay, hey, I, I'm going to take this vaccine because I don't know even I. They don't know what mRNA is. They don't know how the vaccine works and how it's not really a vaccine in the traditional way that we think about it. How could you expect people or to make good informed decisions about medical medical choices like this when they don't have the information like you? Well, you
2: can't. You can't make an informed decision if you're not giving informed consent. And we weren't allowed to. Too many doctors weren't allowed to. Too many doctors got their news on CNN and MSNBC and all those uh, places. The news just, um, you know, propagated in fear porn, the number of deaths that they would list and so forth. Of course, once President Biden became president, they stopped doing that. And they didn't allow dissenting voices, and there were plenty of them. They tried to silence Jay Bhattacharya, one of the most credentialed physicians in the country, when he and his colleagues, Martin Koldorf and uh, um, Gupta out of uh, Oxford came out with this idea of the Great Barrington Declaration. There's emails from Fauci that were released by Twitter that said, we must shut this down. We must come out against them strong because they were worried that they would they would put doubt into the minds of the American people about the bogus narrative that Dr. Fauci was propagating. And so I'm hopeful that now with a new Congress seated, they will properly investigate the shenanigans and the malfeasance of the one Dr. Anthony Fauci. And I think what we'll come to realize that if not for the censorship and the propaganda that was spewed by the, uh, by Dr. Fauci's organizations, that we would have been able to put forward some of these early treatment protocols and saved hundreds of thousands if not millions of lives i know peter mccullough one of the leading experts on COVID in the world and one of the most highly credentialed physicians he's out of your home state of texas has said that he believed up to 80 percent of deaths could have been prevented had we allowed the widespread use and propagation of early treatment with these sequenced multi-drug protocols. But we weren't allowed to do that. Even today, we're, um, we're restricted from doing much of that as well.
1: What do you think people can do moving forward? I mean, this is going to happen again. It might not be a pandemic of uh, you know some virus that infects the lungs. Uh, it might not be global shutdowns. Uh, it might not be uh you, you know you can't go to work tomorrow because you might get your, your grandma sick it might not be what it was in 2020 but we're going to be faced again in the future with a very very loud voices saying this is the correct health decision that you must make and a complete restriction of any information that goes against that
2: you're you're right sanger i think what people can do and what they are doing is first of all they've lost lost trust of the cdc and the fda and rightfully so and i hope congress revamps those organizations removes funding that they get from industry uh, and only allows funding from taxpayers so they have the back of the american people more and more people are looking for alternative sources of health care whether it's freedom-loving physicians like me and others across the country or even Uh, internet media people on Instagram and social media uh, that are putting forward healthy messages. You know, I've really had to unlearn a lot of what I've learned in medical school. You know, we were taught that there isn't a disease or a symptom that doesn't have a pharmaceutical solution. And there's a hunger out there for natural solutions for health and not just writing prescriptions for everything that ails us. You know, on my Instagram account, rx4liberty, rx4forliberty, I put forward every single morning a message of good health of a different way that you can take control of your health of something else you should be thinking about, whether it's vitamins and supplements or detoxifying your life or drinking purified water or making sure that you're buying organic, uh, getting rid of toxic substances like seed oils and vegetable oils from your diet and so forth. There's a lot of people out there doing that. There's a hunger like I have never seen before for alternative holistic forms of medicine. And I think that's the path forward for both doctors and patients to transition into something that is more patient, natural centric as opposed to pharma centric.
1: Yeah, I see that a lot now, just on social media. I mean, I I like, I can't scroll through, some of it's self-fulfilling, right? Obviously with the algorithm, sure. but I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't interested in that and I didn't see the breadth of content um, about holistic remedies, uh, just healthy living. And, and what I've noticed changed the most about that area of information is not necessarily that there's more information, although that is the case, but that it's coming from a more diverse group of people, right? 10 years ago, that, that, was, that was some hippie nonsense, right? Uh, okay, you're going to do natural healing or that's, that's kind of right. That's that, that's the far out fringe stuff. Maybe some of it works, but, but there's a certain type of free spirited person that, that was drawn yeah. to, to yeah. that. I and agree. now it's like, you know, football players, <laughs> it's like, right. It's like the jocks and the nerds and the hippies right. and the and the cowboys are all they they everybody kind of is interested in.
0: yeah, I think there's a there's a new awakening of people embracing, you know, alternative medicine. People who delve in that space hate it when I call it alternative medicine. But I
2: think natural
0: medicine might be a better term. Natural word. medicine may be a better term. Can I take you back to something when when I look at the decisions that were made throughout COVID, you know, uh two weeks to to flatten the curve, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, shut this down. Everybody needs to get vaxxed. If I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, I, I come down I on the side. I know you don't, <laughs> but I, I come down on the side that it was risk assessment, that, that what politicians are doing different from what my physician is doing is, is those were not medical based decisions. Those were control based decisions. Those were risk assessment decisions. And, and to say, all right, if we just make everybody get this then it's easier to, you know, maybe we maybe it's not safe and maybe we lose some folks along the way. But the net effect is we save more folks than we lose. Do you, Is that a fair assessment or do you think there was I'm not willing to say there was something more sinister involved? Maybe maybe you are. I don't know. But uh, what's what's your take on that?
2: Uh, that's that would be a perfect scenario for communist China or Venezuela or uh, you know, or mm-hmm. the Soviet Union or Russia or Cuba. That's what they do there. We're not supposed to do that here. The government is not supposed to tell us what to do. The government is supposed to be limited. We are a self-governing people. Um, we have oh, gone. I agree, I
0: agree with you. I'm not I'm not saying that was right. I'm saying that might have been their mentality. Yeah, But see, this I'm, is I'm, where I'm, this I'm,
1: is I'm, where I'm, I get frustrated with your point of view, because you're like, oh, but give them the benefit. That
0: I, no, no, I'm you're not s- supposed to. It's <laughs> like, right. OK, it. it it, you know, not everybody's freedom loving. You, I you don't get out. Cu- half the country isn't. You got to understand that. Get out. No, they're going to get then, out. Then, I'm saying half the people don't come from that mindset. You can't
1: violate the foundational principle of our country. And I then, agree and then, with and that. Then, and, then, and then ask me to give you the benefit of the doubt. No, I'm I am saying that's like, where like they come from. They, they, uh, now, I'm not. I'm saying that anyone who recommended the vaccine, give them the benefit of the doubt. Anyone who who maybe who made a decision like I did to say, hey, we're shutting down and asking our employees to work from home. Give them the benefit of the doubt if you end up being wrong. But when the government says at point of gun at by the use of force, we are going to force you to do this. Like when the our government said, essentially forced people in order to keep their jobs to get the vaccine. That's not right. And even at the time when they did that, I was you know, at a point as far as my education on the vaccine, I didn't really have an opinion for or against it. I didn't know. Uh, but I said, you can't force people to make a decision and weigh a medical choice versus their livelihood. That's not right. No matter if it's the right medical choice. And, and that's what they were doing, saying, OK, well, any, you know, company over a 100 employees is going to have to um, you're going to have to require vaccinations Well, what happened is, although that never went into effect and it was challenged in court and and they lost, is by de facto, they were able to use that force because companies said, well, we're going to get ahead of the policy. We're going to implement our own policy now because we know there's going to be a federal law against this. And so employees took the vaccine and they didn't want to. These people didn't want to do it, but they had to make a decision and say, am I going to Am I going to make my wife and children homeless because I can't get a job? And that's heartbreaking.
2: I, I that's couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, Sanger. And I'm Sickening. Think-
1: and you can't give them the benefit of the doubt for that. I'm not willing to, no matter what, I'm not going to say, oh, well, he, that guy, that president, that governor, that senator, he tried his best. No, never.
2: The benefit of the doubt maybe is the first couple of weeks when nobody knew anything then it should have been honest information to the American people to say, we don't really know, this appears to be dangerous. Um, You have options in life of what to do. If you look now at them cleaning up the mess, look at the military, for example. The military just said, just kidding, you don't actually have to get vaccinated to stay in the military. Well, what about the thousands and thousands of people You already did it you were already discharged, made, it. made a career decision yep. that made a career decision and either I left mean, the military or got vaccinated? What about them? Are they going to compensate them? Are they going to reinstate yeah. the military? Are they going to give them back pay? You know, I don't know what I they're mean. I'm do.
1: surprised. I'm surprised they let them honorably discharge. At the the rate that things were going and how forceful that they they were being with everything else, I was fully expecting them to say dishonorable discharge if you don't get it. And now the military, I'm a, a little less passionate about waving my finger at because when you join the military, it's understood, hey, you know, I'm not an individual anymore. I'm a unit of this machine. But for private citizens, although I still don't think they should have recommended it, but private citizens to say, you know, you can't keep a job it. anymore. They didn't
0: recommend it. They mandated it.
1: That's what I'm saying. They mandated it. I don't think they should have mandated it, period. But I, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt for recommending it. I'll give people the benefit of the doubt for getting it. I'll give people the benefit of the doubt for the for the decisions that they made that affected themselves. I'll even give people the benefit of the doubt for saying, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip your wedding because I'm scared of getting COVID or I'm going to I'm going to ask that you wear a mask when you come into my house to visit. I'll give all those people the benefit. of the doubt. I will never, ever give benefit of the doubt to people who said we're willing to throw you in you know, throw you in jail. No, for clearly that
0: years. didn't make any sense. Here's where I'm coming from is that, if, you know, if I'm in charge and, and heaven forbid, if I, if I was in charge and you, you look at the vaccine and it works as advertised, meaning you take it, you can't get it, you take it, you can't transmit it, then that's a personal decision and whoever wants to get it can get it. And every man for himself, once you take it, you've protected yourself and you can make that decision, protect yourself or not protect yourself. But if once I've taken it, I'm not infecting you, I'm not a danger to you. Okay. That's what they said. Fair enough. That's what they said. Now that proved to not be true. Here's where I'm coming from is do you think their motivation in those decisions, nobody comes out and says, I hate freedom. I don't want freedom. I want to just be controlled. Or do you think their position was, hey, we think we're saving lives? It doesn't matter. That was what You know what it is?
1: It's like how when when we talk about aligning your decisions and your actions with your values vague values, single word values, will nobody ever rejects. Nobody ever says I'm against freedom. Nobody ever says I'm against security. Nobody ever says I don't have integrity. They simply define it differently than you. So somebody, if you have somebody in your life, your friend, an employee who does not have integrity, they will never tell you that they don't of have course. integrity. They will never tell you that they don't care about integrity, but they'll go back on their word but they'll do the wrong thing when nobody's watching, but they'll change. They'll be slightly dishonest when it serves them and they'll always justify it. So the, that's the same thing here is when we talk about freedom, we're not talking about just some general vague sense of I get to do what I want. It's the government cannot force me. The government cannot get in the way of me doing the things that I ought to do. That's what freedom is.
2: That I agree. Country. And
1: well, you know, I,
0: I think freedom, freedom is your is the level of freedom you have is your ability to say no. And there was zero ability to say no uh, during all of this and even to speak up. So let me ask you this. What's a physician to do in an environment where the government is actually restricting speech around these concepts and you, you know, the government says, I believe we believe a the, the official position is a. You're just wanting to question that. Hey, is, is A right? It might be B. And under this regulation that's coming out of California, they're saying the physician can't even say, hey, I think it may not be A. It might be B.
2: Is that, is that right? That, that's what they're saying. And what a physician is to do is what I did. And myself and Mark McDonald, psychiatrist up in L.A., were suing the Medical Board of California and the Attorney General of California, saying that this law is unconstitutional. It violates our First Amendment right. Uh, to speak our mind, to share our opinion, whether it's right or wrong, with our patient, and that's what they're trying to take away. You know, the, you know the expression: the 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 path to hell is paved with good intentions. I don't really care what the motivation or the intentions of of the politicians that did this. They were wrong to do this. That's not the role of government. And as Bobby Kennedy Jr. said re- recently or last year, he said we need to love freedom more than we fear a virus. And that's not what happened with the politicians that were passing these laws. I hope the lesson that we learn is to never allow this to happen again. And we must allow medical freedom. We must allow patients to choose and doctors to speak freely. No no one has learned that lesson. And even if they speak wrongly, that's that's our right to do so. And I trust patients enough to be discerning, to get multiple opinions and then make a good decision. I never want... The government to be making healthcare decisions for anybody.
1: Yeah, I unfortunately don't think that anybody. Learned. I don't no, think many people learned their lesson. lesson.
0: Um, if it happened again, we're going to have the same result. Oh
1: yeah, there's a. I mean, oh, I still see people wear masks outside. Are you? Are you? Are you hearing? I, saw, I was at the, I was at the damn beach. I was at the beach in La Jolla. And I saw a guy alone by himself wearing a mask outside, outside. in the sunlight.
0: That's ridiculous. <laughs> so what are we doing? Yeah, I know what's going we, on. What are we doing? Man? Well, you're, you're not but, hearing half the country go, oops, we were wrong. No, but, I, you know,
1: when I want to go back to the decision with the Medical Board of California, because it seems I, I 100% agree with you in the, the way that that policy is understood by me, that sounds horrible. Um, they shouldn't be revoking licenses based on disagreements. Um, uh, certainly varying advice. You know, that's I hate that. A centralization of advice is horrible. I'm in the advice business. Um, there's not one type of financial advice that works. Well, I should have the freedom to customize solutions to people. And, and the reality is the health advice that I get is going to be different than the health health advice that Sean gets. The financial advice that you get is going to be different than the financial advice that Sean gets based on all of the available factors. And once you start to box things in, that all that means is people are not going to get advice that's customized and tailored to them. At the same time, at the same time, how do you straddle the line between blatant falsehoods, right? So there are things that I can't recommend as an advisor, and I shouldn't, and I wouldn't, and I won't, but I can't recommend them, and it's not because they're misinformation or disinformation, it's because it just straight up is a horrible idea, it's very bad, (laughs) nobody would agree with me advising anyone of that, right, and that's the same thing with health, I don't know enough about, you know, being a doctor to kind of come up with an example, but, you know, you take it to the extreme. You can't recommend that someone drink battery acid. You can't do it like they're going to take your license away. Right. So where's the line between the, the stuff that's obviously wrong and harmful to eh, Well, you know,
2: it's just it, not the government narrative. F-
1: Pfizer just doesn't want you to say right.
2: that. Well, the line really should be with the consumer. And I trust the consumers to make good decisions and get multiple opinions. Um, but just like in the financial industry, I mean, look at Sam Bakeman freed and what he did. I bet if you talk to him, he thinks he did nothing wrong and he had good motivations, right? But what he did is rip a bunch of people off and well, try to increase the politicians.
1: He might have such a corrupt soul that he's <laughs> unable to see. He stole money, right? So like he it's not he didn't say take take this medicine and it'll take ivermectin and it's gonna help cure COVID. And you know, people say that's not right. He's just straight up stole money. It's like and, and you know, a Bernie Madoff he just stole money. He didn't give bad advice. Um, but like, I can't go, if I go recommend that somebody take a second mortgage on their house and short Tesla with, with it like that I'm getting, I'm out. It's, it's, it's over for me and anyone who does something, that's horrible advice. You know, uh, you, that's so objectively wrong that, we, we choose to not allow the consumer or the client to to make that judgment
0: call right. because it's so wrong. Our, our industry doesn't allow that advice to even be heard. And I okay, and I enough.
1: agree. I think that that's like you're, and, and I guess maybe it's like you're going to get sued. It's not that anyone would take my license away necessarily. Maybe, I don't know, but you're going to get sued, right? So maybe is that the answer to say, well, it, Physicians can be held liable if they give advice that's obviously harmful and they
2: know what's we wrong. Have, we, and they we are held liable. Given. That's why we have malpractice insurance. So physicians get sued all the time for making mistakes and having bad outcomes as a result of the mistake they made. So we, we are held liable. Um, and okay, consumers that, always, a always so have a choice. So why choice? not
0: just let that system, why not let that system work then? Is that if somebody's out there giving advice, let the medical malpractice Serve as it as the filter for that type of advice.
2: Well, we do. That is part of the filter for that kind of advice. Is is that patients can sue and do sue physicians, and that is adjudicated in the court of law. Why this extra regulation is needed? If, if, well, if that system is more because on it makes the government. I was look asking because I
1: didn't understand yeah.
2: because the yeah. go, the government doesn't want to look bad, and the government narrative is the narrative that they want to be uh, put forward. And there are some perverse financial incentives as well, as we talked about with the vaccine industry and the pharmaceutical industry and so forth. And so this law is unnecessary and this law is un-American. And I think this law is unconstitutional. And hopefully at some point, a court, higher court, if necessary, will find it just like that.
1: So you're, you're making a big, a, an admirable decision to live in alignment with your values. And, and I love talking to people who are living in alignment with their values, even if I disagree with like what they're doing, you know? Um I mean, we've talked to people on the podcast and I kind of end the conversation going, well, you know, that's not the path for me, <laughs> but, but that, you know, she's, she's, she's doing what is authentically for her. Right. And and if
2: if I want to, I could take a second mortgage out of my home and short tesla right i can do that legally you you would be crazy to give me that advice and you i could sue you for giving me that advice and maybe rightfully the uh whatever governing body would take your license away but i can legally do that Uh, there's nothing that's stopping me as a consumer from doing that doing stupid stuff with my money and when i you know when i go to take a mortgage out Hopefully, the the banker who's going to give that to me is going to ask why. And if I say, well, because I think Tesla is going to go down and I'm going to short it. And hopefully that person (laughs) would say, well, you're out of your mind. I think that's a terrible idea. And maybe the stockbroker, when I go to buy that, uh, take that short out on Tesla, would say, are you out of your mind? You're going to lose all your money. This is ridiculous. So there are checks and balances maybe along the way, but I still have the right to do that. Just like a consumer, if they want to do some crazy therapy and take some weird supplements to treat their cancer with Laetril or something weird they can do that um, but i wouldn't give that advice because i have no evidence to support that recommendation so when i give out advice it's based on the evidence that i think supports that advice and i'll tell the patients this is the risk this is the benefit these are the alternatives that we should consider and i want you to make an informed decision whether it's taking ivermectin to treat COVID or getting a flu shot, shingle shot or a COVID vaccine. P- uh, patients should be given informed consent about whatever it is that a physician, pharmacist or whoever is doing and participating in their healthcare decision.
1: And you're making a, a big decision to do that vocally, uh, which I think is very, it, you know, I know you don't want to accept praise for it, but it, it's admirable to to stand by what you believe in. When there are real risks for doing so. And I thought of of myself as someone who would do that. Right. And and I was thankfully not put in a position during the past three years to have that tested. I own my own business. So I didn't have anyone saying I'm going to fire you if you don't get the vaccine. Um, I generally speaking don't go anywhere that was going to test that. I don't, I don't really like to travel internationally so i didn't have to cancel some big you know trip of a lifetime because although you did well i didn't go this year yeah yeah that's true i didn't go well yeah yeah okay i stuck by that i said i'm not showing my vax card i don't want to do that uh we were going to go to uh, mount kilimanjaro had already kind of scheduled it out and then find out they have that policy uh, no i'm not going to participate in that So I guess in that way, but generally speaking, I didn't have a big, big, you know, risking my life. You weren't going to be out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to be out of a job. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to have dire consequences for, for any decisions I made, whether even, you know, choosing to wear a mask, like nothing was going to really impact me. You are running the risk of, of major consequences and you're still continuing to make the decision. How, what is your thought process like?
2: I look through the lens of what's best for patients, not what's best for me. And I want my patients to have informed uh, consent and understand what right and wrong is as far as medical treatment. So although I put myself at risk, I think there's a bigger picture and that's um, patient health. Uh, and you, you know, listen, I was, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to share this earth for only a short amount of time. And ultimately, uh, I want to know that. I did what was best for my patients and I lived with integrity and I lived uh, authentic. And if the government wants to come after me, I think there's plenty of people that will support me. Uh, And I think my perspective is correct. And I welcome an opportunity to air that publicly for others to see.
1: I appreciate and um, I'm thankful that you're pursuing truth publicly. Uh, We need more of that. You know that if you move to Texas, it's a lot easier to do that.
2: Yeah. still My brother brother and father both live in the greater Dallas, Fort Worth area. So, um, and I do have a medical license now to practice in Texas as a backup just in case. So you never know.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you sharing your insights with us. Where can people find your work and make better health choices?
2: Yeah. You know, I'm most active on Instagram and my Instagram account is at RX for Liberty, RX and four is spelled like Uh, for so rx like prescription rx for liberty Uh, i post every day uh, a holistic natural health message and there's links on there to my website and so forth so that's probably the best way to find me my website is the same name www.rxforliberty.com and that's where i'm most active Uh, i also have a podcast called informed Descent. it's on all the podcast networks like you guys uh, with Dr. Mark McDonald. And we record, oh, I don't know, every other week or so with interesting guests. Uh, and it's almost all healthcare and health freedom related. So that's kind of what I do. And I have a private practice in, uh, in coastal Orange County where I see patients on most days and just trying to keep up the battle for the, the, the health liberty movement uh, across this country.
1: And the book too, easy read, very valuable.
2: That's right. COVID-19 available on Amazon and on my website. Yeah. Listen, I really appreciate you guys having me on and allowing me a, uh, a forum to, uh, to talk about what we've done over this past pandemic and hopefully moving forward. Things will get better, not worse.
0: Well, Dr. Barkey, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Yep. You're welcome.
2: Glad to be with you.
0: My takeaway from our discussion with Dr. Barkey was similar to what I felt like after we talked with Emily Oster, where she's very fact-based. And I, I think that's where he's coming from as well. And his facts were different than the, the government narratives. But it got me thinking that in decision-making, particularly when it's a health decision and big decisions like this, to make sure that I've got facts that are complete That I'm not just getting facts from one area, but I'm getting facts from different sources.
1: My takeaway is you have to get specific with your values, whether it's freedom, integrity, security, it will be misinterpreted by others. That means a vague term can also be misinterpreted by you at a later date based on your emotion, based on what's going on in your life, based on your environment, based on the specific issue at which your values may apply. So the more specific you can be with the values you aim toward, the less likely you'll have conflict around how you're living up to those values. It goes for a person, an individual, a family, a business, or even a country. You just made a great decision to listen to this episode of Decidedly. Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly.
0: Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly Podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.